Hey agency owners, it's time for a new episode of the Agency Blueprint, the number one podcast for agency owners looking to discover strategies for scaling an agency to seven figures and beyond, while reducing stress and getting your personal life back. I'm your host, Robert Patton, international bestselling author, agency scale partner, and founder of Creative Agency Success. Before we get started today, I'd like to invite you to join our free Facebook group, The Creative Agency Clique. We live stream weekly trainings on tactics that will help you simplify and scale your agency. Go to creativeagencysuccess.com forward slash FP to join. And now for the show. People love to laugh. It's something that almost everyone has in common. That's why using humor is a powerful marketing technique. The key, of course, is doing something that a majority of those in your niche will find funny. Today's guest is someone that specializes in doing that exact thing. Mickey Taylor grew the Twitter account Adweek, A-D-W-E-A-K, organically to over 100,000 followers on Twitter and LinkedIn with an average of over 3 million impressions a month. But snarky tweets alone won't pay the bills. This fun parody Twitter account has grown into a full-grown creative studio. Adweek Studios works with brands and agencies that want to use humor, be interesting, and go viral. He's a go-to guy for brands like PlayStation, HBO, Dr. Pepper, Energizer, and more when they want to have fun and engaging content. In this episode, Mickey will tell us why every brand should be using humor in their social media marketing and how to do it. Welcome, Mickey. First of all, thank you, Robert, for having me on. It's it's a pleasure. I always uh, enjoy talking uh, about Ad week, of course, and your specific topic here, I think, is really important. You mentioned sort of why marketers should use humor. And the long answer is because it works. And then the short answer is because it works. And I, <laughs> I always say there's a reason that America's Funniest Home Videos has been on for 30 plus years. And it's because people like laughing. It spans genders, age ranges, ethnicities. You know, I remember what I used to watch America's Funniest Home Videos with my daughters, and there was never a point where I would laugh and they would say, I don't get that. Or they would laugh and I would say, I don't get that. We would all laugh together. It's because yeah. whether you're a Harvard MBA or just Joe Schmo, you will always laugh at dad getting hit in the crotch with a wiffle ball. I mean, it's stupid humor, but you're, it's always funny. And, and there's an, the other, um, the other uh, example I like to use is like years ago, the insurance category, no one would touch humor with a 30-foot pole. It was always, mm-hmm. we're in, you're in good hands, we're here for you. But you never heard people saying, hey, did you see that State Farm commercial where they're talking about being in good hands? Never. But then Geico comes along. They do humor. And then people start talking about their commercials. Then progressives started doing humor. State Farm, farmers, they're all doing humor. And the reason? Mm -hmm. Because it works. And I'm not saying there's not room for, and I love some of these things, like the inspirational or the charming or the endearing. There's certainly, and I love some of these spots. But for my money, if I had to bet, it would be humor. And then usually, for the most part, there's exceptions. But every year after the Super Bowl, USA Today does their, their ad poll. Well, guess mm-hmm. guess what's in the top 25? And, you know, I, I didn't make these rules, but that's just the way it is. And, you know, it's, it's funny because when we go to backyard barbecues or dinner parties, we like to laugh and we like to tell jokes. And that's just human nature. But yet, 
We like to feel good. Yeah, right? we, you know, we just, we, you want to laugh and have fun. You don't want to hear some charming story about a puppy dog. You want to just laugh. But yet when we put on our marketing shoes, it turns into like, it's like, this isn't church. Like, why do we turn off our human nature of like, just wanting to be human and funny, but yet we marketers just, just stop with that once they put on their marketing shoes. And I think that's a mistake. Like I said, if you look at the insurance category, they're not doing this just to do it. They, I'm sure they've tested it and mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's working. I mean, there's a reason. With those kinds of ads dollars, they better have, right? Yeah. I mean, there's a reason Geico's huge and Progressive is huge. I mean, it's not because of humor, but they didn't do this just to have fun. They're doing it because it works. One of the reasons I think marketers tend to shy away from, from humor or comedy is like, I think it's very, very difficult to do. It's writing, it's acting. It's, it's very difficult, I think. And so mm -hmm. it's, it's much easier to do just like a montage of great imagery, put a great song to it, done. Like that's easy. But to do something mm -hmm. Geico-esque, like, like, like really humorous Unique conceptually and, and is, is really tough. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's maybe a little bit of why some of them, some of them shy away from it, but it's, it is, it is a difficult and, you know, humor has such a range. Like it's, there's, there's smart humor, there's subtle humor, like sports center, there's slapstick, there's goofy. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's a range. So when you say comedy, yep. there's a lot of clients who are like, well, we don't want to do comedy. You know, I remember I, um, I had a friend who started the sports center campaign and they went out before they did the sports center campaign and they, they asked, they asked consumers like, you know, sports centers want, you know, just highlights really that's the, their show. And so they, they asked consumers like, what would you expect to see? And in, in sports center commercials, they're like, oh, we want to see the big hits, the big home runs, just like fast pace and blah, blah, blah. Well, they did exactly the opposite. <laughs> they did these mm -hmm. subtle, dry, comedic spots. And it, it, that, that campaign's been running now for over 20 years. And people love it. It's, but that's comedy, but it's not slapstick, knee slapping. It's, it, but it's humor. Yeah. And they, mm -hmm. they struck a chord and they did exactly the opposite of what you'd expect to do in a highlight sports campaign, the hard hitting, you know, grizzled, you know, athletes what would you say is like the the distinction and how do you go about in the modern world there's so much that's cancel culture things like that right that you want to make sure that you're not insulting anyone and humor in some in some instances can cross that line right and so how do you utilize and understand what should and and shouldn't be done as far as humor and making sure that you are understanding and making sure that you're not going to insult anyone or hurt anyone's feelings and still maintaining that, that humor aspect of things. That's a really good question. Cause some people think humor is, should be, you know, edgy and offensive. So I'll give you an example. So the satirical site that I run ADWEAK on Twitter, I'm very proud of the fact that over 6,000 tweets now, not once mm -hmm. has anyone ever said you cross the line. This is tone deaf, mm. never. Mm -hmm. And because I've been very careful about staying away from politics, anything controversial, don't be mean spirited. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be mean spirited to be funny. Of course. And yeah. just no anger. So there's, it's easy to do. It's easy to not cross that line, but it's also mm -hmm. easy for an amateur to cross the line saying, 
We need to be offensive sure. to be funny. You know, I think Geico's, I don't think Geico's ever done anything where you're like, oh, wait, that's, that's crossing the line. Can't say that I've seen that. I haven't either. They just, they're just funny and they don't, they don't, they're, they stay, stay away from mm-hmm. anything controversial or political. And that's what I've done with that week. And I've been very careful not to be mean spirited. I mean, we call out things in the industry, but when we call them out, it's always the people. So in other words, if we sort of mock a a strategic planner it's always the strategic mm-hmm. planners that come out and say yep that's me you got me mm-hmm. and we've mentioned a couple brands before but not in a mean way and usually it's those brands that will reach out and say this is awesome keep doing it it's a fine line but it's fairly easy to navigate if you just use mm-hmm. your head Hmm. I would love to hear a little bit about your story, right? I mean, you started this Twitter account that, that blew up to the point that Business Insider in, in ended up declaring you the number one advertising account on Twitter. What was the evolution of that? So how did it start it? What was the the catalyst for the first tweet? And how did you continue it for so long that, that grew that audience? That's a great question. So it was me and a friend, and we were both working at ad agencies. I had my own at the time. And we were big fans of The Onion. You know The Onion? I do. We we basically have stolen everything from The Onion, right down to the initial caps on everything. They do initial caps. It's not grammatically correct, but we were like, if they do it, we do it. So we thought, you know, would it be funny to do The Onion for advertising? And we only meant, it was at the time, it was a website. And so we were were at a bar. We're like, that'd be funny. And we looked it up and like, it turns out adweek.com is available. So we're like, let's just do a couple issues. It'll be fun. And so we did it and then people started like, Hey, this is great. Keep doing it. And I'm like, oh shit, this, this isn't our day job. So we still, we kept doing it, kept doing it. And like, ah, oh, this is a lot of work. He ended up bouncing from the business. He didn't want to do it anymore. I, I couldn't maintain a, an e- email or website. So I was like, let me just put it on Twitter. Cause that's easy. Just like post whenever I want to. And I never, and I was still, I still had my own agency, like the paying job. So I, I was just doing it sort of for fun. It started growing and growing just organically. And so at one point, it's, as it was growing organically, I was like, you know what? I think I want to turn this into a social experiment. So every time you uh, read a trade pub, it'll say, here's the five things you need to do on social media to be successful. Here's the 10 things, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And so um, I thought to my head, I was like, what if I do exactly the opposite and see if I could get engagement? It's one of the reasons, one of the reasons we follow zero people, it's not because we want to be assholes. It's because I never wanted it to look like, oh, they have 90,000 followers because they're following 90,000 people. We didn't want it to look mm-hmm. like it was obligatory. Yeah. So we don't follow anyone. And then all posts sometimes three times in a half hour, which you're not supposed to do at 11 o'clock at night, which you're not supposed to do. I don't have a schedule. I don't have a strategy. It's just when it comes to me and whatever's happening in the world at that time. So I don't have this sort of two-week strategy, like, here's what we're going to do next Thursday. And I've always hated those things. The clients want to see, like, what's going to happen in two weeks. And I was like, you know what? There could be a mass shooting. And we're, we're posting something that is insensitive. Completely tone deaf, yeah. Tone deaf, and and you're like, oh shit, I forgot that was going out on Thursday, and so that's why that's why we don't do a schedule, and mm. so it became part of a sort of a social experiment, and then it it just grew, it grew organically. I think we get a, between three hundred and a thousand new followers on Twitter a month, 
And that's just mm -hmm. pure word of mouth. On LinkedIn, I think we get between 25 and 50 new invites to connect, which I connect to all of them. I just keep hitting accept, mm -hmm. accept, accept. And it's, it's worked. And what's interesting is it has become sort of a Trojan horse into new business. Like Adweek doesn't pay any bills. Like so, but what's happened yeah. is brands, big and small, have reached out to me and said, hey, you really, you really understand the business. You get our pain points. You get the business. We'd love to work with you at someone. And so hmm. that's been the, that's been the good business part of it. I never expected it, but so we, at that, at that point, exactly like the onion, they, they turned uh, the onion into what they call the onion labs, which works directly with brands and even agencies to create content sort of through the onion lens. Adweek has gotten so popular. Like what if we just turn it into Adweek studio and sort of leverage Adweek into like, we'll, we'll, we'll work with you on ideas or execution or whatever. It's, it's been, it's been working. So that's a little bit of the backstory, maybe longer than what you had intended, but uh. you're, you're, you're kind of your own case study, right? I mean, yes. you're utilizing the humor that you've built in Twitter and then being able to show that it works and being able to bring people in and then build a successful business off the back of it. So you hit it right on the head. Yeah, I, mean, I, I always, I've always, always been, I've always hated agencies, usually small agencies who say we're social experts. And it's like, wait a minute, you have 150 followers on Instagram, you're social experts. And they're like, oh, well, we spend more, most of our time on clients. I was like, that's bullshit. Like just walk the walk. And they always do use that. I think there's an old, old, old saying. It's like the cobbler's kids have no shoes. Cobbler's kids. Um, <laughs> it's like, let's, let's just, just spend some time on, 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 but the problem is like most of them, there's like, Hey, check out this article on marketing and. Like they, they're, they're, none of them are doing it. None of them are, are cultivating an audience and engaging and where we're showing like, look, we're doing it. And so that's the back to the humor thing is like, I know humor works because we're doing it. How do you like, and I know that you don't have like a plan of action, but for clients, I imagine there's some sort of process around how you're utilizing humor. So how do you go about helping create humor oriented content that like hits their key selling points and evokes the action that you're looking for them to take when you're talking on a client project? You know, it's, it's a great question. The great part of ad week is it, it's almost acts as a filter. So people that mm -hmm. come to mm -hmm. us have already, already have their heads in the right place. And so there's been a couple, most of the clients we work with, I say, you look, we're not doing it. We're not doing a two week schedule. We need to write when we need to write, you know, look at ad week. We've never offended anyone. You know, we could certainly pass by the the tweets pass you, but you know, we have to have the free, if you want what Adweek has, then you have to do that, the same dance we did. And so mm -hmm. there's been a couple clients who like, I, there was one client I was like, look, if you want what Adweek has, then this is what we do. And they're like, no, we can't do that. I was like, well, then you can't do it. Like, I don't know what, I don't know what you want. want. Then I'm not the right shop for you, right? Yeah. I mean, you, we have to have the freedom because that's what make ad, ad that's what makes ad week work. We won't embarrass you. We won't get you into hot water. So there's been a few clients who are like, yeah, do what you do, do your thing. We won't even we don't even care. Just do whatever you want, whenever you want. And that's been that's been great. And that's just that's just the way 
the way we work. I'm not saying we don't appreciate oversight. I mean, now we're like, we're not like, we're going to do whatever we want. So we certainly- Anarchy, huh? <laughs> so many our clients were like, okay, here's here's the next tweet. And they're like, yeah, that's great. But yeah, it's a, it's a tough question. Sometimes there will be people who come to us for our tone and our humor, and then we show them and they're like, oh yeah, we can't do that. It's like, well, why did you come to us? I remember when I was at, I was at, I was at Shia Day for many years uh-huh. in LA and there was, a, it was, I call it the glory days, but clients would walk through the door and just go work your magic, whatever you, whatever you do, just work your magic. And we had like free, like, of course they, they approved it, but they were like, yeah, if you guys say this is right, then let's, let's do it. And so it was great. I think you're sort of hitting on a really important aspect of the industry, especially on the smaller size of agencies. I mean, you're, you're the way that you're positioning yourselves is a testament to the fact that you know what you do, you know what you do well, you know how you're going to do it well, and you're telling the client that this is the confines by which we work and sort of take it or leave it, right? Which, and then you sort of nailed it again with with Shia Day, and then people know who they are and they give them, not carte blanche, but they give them the reign to do what they do best. And the agencies that are thinking that they need to take orders from the client, ultimately speaking, don't have control aren't aren't doing what they do best and the client's more in control when realistically speaking isn't how the agency should be run and doesn't need to be run that way yeah i agree i mean I, i'm not you're right i think it's a good point it's like we're not saying we're going to do whatever we want you just sit in a corner you know we're, we're very collaborative there's this there's saying where it's like you tell a joke and the client says you know or, or you, you show you show like let's say a tv spot and they're like well we like the beginning middle but we don't like the end. And it's like, well, then you don't like the spot. It's like saying, you know, I like the part where the rabbi, the priest, and the Indian walk into a bar, but we don't like the punchline. It was like, then you don't like the joke. <laughs> so you can't separate them. So that's sometimes where it comes down to. It's like, we have to just say, well, then then you don't, you don't like it, yeah. you know, like it, but yeah, it's, it's, we're, we're certainly not the F you, like we'll, we'll, we'll do what we want. Like, no, but you own who you are too, though, right? Like, that's what I think is the brilliant fun part of it is that you own who you are and you know who you are and you sell it based on that. Yeah. And that's, that's true. I, I mean, I think there's, there's also proof in the pudding. Like I, I don't just say, yeah. you know, we do great social, we're funny. I just say, look, we did it. I don't know what else you want. Like, look at it. Look at the metrics. Look at the engagement. I, I'm not. I don't want to just say, "Hey, we're funny. We're humorous. We're we're engaging." It's like we did it, and it continues to grow. I was like, I'm shocked. Actually, actually shocked that the Twitter account and LinkedIn account continue to grow based on the content that's been around. We've been doing this content for many years. I thought it would just. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it would flame out at a certain point, but then. What happens is like the, the, the fodder keeps coming. I did a post the other day and I knew it was going to do well. It's about being relevant. Right. And that's like our, our, our most, the most common comment we get is it's funny because it's true. And so I try to Mm -hmm. use that as like, okay, what's, what are, what are the pain points people are going through? And right now, one of them is ageism in the marketing world and the advertising world. And it's on Twitter right now. I think it's a couple tweets down, but it said something about everyone over 40 given days, given day off whenever new business client tours ad agency. It was, it was about like sort of hiding the older people and just like having all sure. the young people 
all the experienced people yeah, yeah just like, showing all the, all the all all the millennials and all yeah, the gen like, get, get the get the 40 somethings out of here because <laughs> we have an agency tour today uh-huh. and so i knew that oh man i knew that would do well on linkedin because that's a big topic on linkedin so i usually try to look at sort of what is i t- try to take the temperature of mm-hmm. what's happening on linkedin and I, I got kicked off of LinkedIn at one point. Technically, for so technically they were corrected. So I went on originally as the first name was Adweek, the second, the last name was Editor. So it said Adweek Editor, uh-huh. and it started to amass an audience, which I knew it would. And then they they booted me, took the database, and they said you're not a real person. And so it uh-huh. looked up their terms of service, and I was like, you know, you're 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 technically correct. It's not a, it's not a real person. So I had to send in my driver's license and my middle name is Paul. So I went back on as Paul Taylor because I, I wanted to be an individual rather than a company because so mm-hmm. it's, it's much easier to connect and reach out and yeah. all, all kinds of things. So I just wanted to be a person, not a, not an entity. So I had to go, that's why it's Paul Taylor on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And then that photo, we stole that photo years ago of who Paul Taylor is. He's like the dude mm-hmm. in the swim goggles and this and the swim hat. And I'd say it was like 15 years ago. I guess that was shot by a commercial photographer. And he and he wrote to us, he's like, Hey, that, that's my that's my photo. I, I shot that. And we're like, oh, mm-hmm. we're like, so sorry. We'll take it down. That's like, so sorry. And he's like, no, just keep using it. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And so Paul Taylor has become a thing on LinkedIn and with that photo, people think some a lot of people think that's that's who he is. It's just a, it's just a photo we found and all the photos we, all, all right. the photos we use, we basically lifted. That's awesome. I think that's such a fun story for those of the audience listeners today that are not familiar with Adweek and don't follow you right now, where would you send them so that they can follow you and read some of your fun and humorous content, I, live in their day a little bit? I, I guess I could send, well, it's, well, it's easy on, on Twitter. It's just at a D W E A K. Mm-hmm. And then on LinkedIn, just look up Paul Taylor. That would be the easiest thing. And you know, it's funny because the real Adweek, I think had been trying, they've been trying to sue us for many years. Cause I knew a couple reporters there and they're like, the CEO is just so angry with you guys, but he, and he's a, he was a lawyer and we, we pretty much stole the logo as well. <laughs> Steal everything. But he, he found that obviously you can't you can't you can't sue for satire. No, you can't. Parody law. <laughs> yeah, I mean I'm no lawyer, but we were always wor- a little worried. But I guess he was he was always fuming. And I was like, I told them I was like, you guys should just buy us, like put like make us part of your thing. But no, they didn't want any part of us. Yeah, that's too bad. Their loss, right? I guess for everyone, I will make sure to include his Twitter handle, LinkedIn. Uh, profile as well as the link to his studio adweekstudio.com as well in the notes if you would like to check him out thanks so much mickey for joining us today it's just been phenomenal getting to know you and chatting with you today thank you very much and uh, i really appreciate you having me on once again thank you so much for carving out the time to hear what was shared on today's podcast now chances are if you're an agency owner listening to this podcast right now then you may be feeling like this. Because I was finding myself constantly overworked within our business, um, constantly like 
too busy with fulfillment or too busy with uh, customer service needs. So I didn't have the time to go think about how am I going to close this person or what I'm going to say to this person or what am I going to do with this or what's the next strategy I need to do. Now, of course, this podcast is here to help you with a lot of things. But at one episode per week, it's going to take a while for us to share everything you need specifically for your situation. So if you're really serious about committing to fixing the problems in your agency now so you can build a truly profitable business and get your life back, then I want to invite you to apply for the Agency Accelerator Program. I'm not so stressed during calls thinking, oh my gosh, I got, I got to sell, I got to sell, I got to sell because if I don't sell, I don't make our I don't make our numbers, you know, and if I don't make our numbers, I can't pay our people. If I can't pay our people, then our business is down. This program is designed to help creative agency owners get to 1 million in revenue per year in 12 months or less. I char- typically charge one client a $3,000, anywhere from 2000 to 3000 Now I'm uh, moving towards only 5000 and up. And my latest client that I closed is a $10,000 client on a monthly retainer. We only accept about 20% of the agencies that apply to this program because we wanna make sure that we only work with people who will commit the time, energy, and resources required to take what they learn in the program and use it to create an agency of their dreams. You've taught me and you've taught us how to build this within our company that if X happens, this happens, boom, 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 boom. Like it's so systematic that it's gonna work for itself. That has given me the sense of like, oh, I know what the heck I'm talking about. I know what I'm good at. I know that I can deliver upon what I wanna deliver. And yeah, I gained hell of a lot of confidence for sure. So if that's you, then I want to invite you to apply today. Just hit the link in the show notes to apply for the Agency Accelerator Program or go to creativeagencysuccess.com forward slash apply. Thanks, and I'll see you inside the program.